Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Like 40 miles of bad road, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast with soul. Hanging and banging, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. What a pleasure to see you again today. This is uh, your Medicare expert, Doug Jones, bringing you another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is a podcast that's dedicated to helping all people approaching Medicare to feel confident about their impending encounter with Medicare. It's not going to be a uh, horribly trying and disastrously failed experiment. It's going to be a victorious feeling that you have when you encounter your Medicare with my advice, my guidance. You're going to be victorious over the forces of confusion and evil. So uh, what you need to do in order to make that happen is to go purchase my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. You can purchase that book at either Amazon.com, or if you don't like shopping at Amazon.com, you can go to BarnesandNoble.com. They have uh, shopping carts with wheels that do not squeak and turn sideways on you, so you may prefer that experience. But what you want to do is purchase the uh, edition of my book that is best suited for you. And that could be the very, very inexpensive Kindle version at Amazon. Uh, you pay less than $4, and that book will be instantly sent to your reader. So you can get the whole Medicare learning process out of the way in just a very short period of time, like one uh, two-hour session would be plenty to do it. You can have the um, uh, Audible version, which is uh, the book in which I do all the work. I read the words. I explain the concepts. I turn the pages. I tell you what chapter you're on. And that book is uh, probably for really, really lazy people who just want to lay back and absorb the knowledge as it washes over them. Uh, we also have the tried and true paperback edition. That's an $8 item at uh, Amazon. It's a $9 item at Barnes and Noble because the illustrations are in color. But that is the reason, or that is the edition that most people opt for. And then finally, if you're looking for a coffee table book or a, a keepsake, a museum quality item that contains all that valuable Medicare knowledge, then uh, you want to opt for the Amazon hardcover version of Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 because it will look beautiful on your bookshelf and any visitors to the, your house are going to be suitably impressed by your taste and elegance in purchasing the hardcover version of Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Now, speaking of taste and elegance, I uh, always like to introduce my friend Randy Carson, who is the epitome 
of taste and elegance. Randy, how is your tastefulness and elegance going today? Well, I would have to say I'm on a you know a scale of one to ten. I'm gonna. I'm not uh, boastful. I'm gonna put myself in at about ten and a half. Well, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go along with that because uh, I like it when people are tasteful and elegant, and you certainly are the uh, walking, talking epitome of that. So it's well, good thank, to have you. On thank board you today. very much. I I hope you know we actually because we're right in the midst of the holiday season, we're letting a little bit more of the behind the scenes info out, but. Obviously, I'm going to ask you, how was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend? Well, I spent a lot of time catching up. This is the end of the year insurance rush generated by those morons at um, Advantage plans, Medicare Advantage plans. Those people have an uh, open enrollment thing at the end of every year. Many people think that that applies to Medicare supplements as well. And so I get a lot of call for Medicare supplements from people who would normally spread their um, their interest out evenly throughout the year. So it was a major rush. I had a lot of people asking for my opinion. Also, what happens at the end of the year is a lot of people tend to target their retirement date. I'm going to work until December and then I'm going to quit. Uh, people that are, you know, have worked past age 65 tend to do that. So it's like New Year's Eve is a big um, target point for people who are going to retire, leave their company's plan and go on Medicare uh, and then they'll need a Medicare supplement and so forth. That creates some of the demand. So basically, you spent the holidays um, recovering from your uh, L-tryptophan coma. Yes. Whereas I, I spent yes. the holidays dealing with potential clients and helping people understand Medicare and, and that kind of thing. I do consider it very rewarding when I see the light bulbs go on over their heads. So I'm not complaining at all. But that's what I did over my weekend. Now, you had a big victory. One of your clients, major clients, major project was pulled off successfully, I understand. We did. We did. We uh, we had a big, I won't say it's our biggest client, but it probably is. Uh, we had a situation where we had a conversion going on their, their existing website. We were putting up a new website for them and a variety of other things. And it turned out. Well, I mean, it took us all weekend to do it and many, many hours and not much sleep. It turned out well, but bottom line is that as happens often in the IT business, you have to do things over holidays because you can't take the systems down long enough to do it like on a Thursday, you know? <laughs> sure. sure. Understood. So, so You'd have to stay had, up all uh, night, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All night. That's how I got in the business is the ability to stay awake for three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's how I went through part of college. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I, I, uh, that's how I ended up. You know, this weekend was everything went well, and I'm, and uh, you know, there's a few things to polish up now, but everything went well, and I was happy for it. And Margaret did a really awesome job, and I, and we also had some consultants uh, from overseas helping us in uh, Europe, and uh, that all worked well. They were actually the the developers for some of the systems we use. And uh, that all worked well. So I, at the end of the day, I was really happy about the whole thing. It went a lot smoother than it could have. Well, wonderful. Congratulations on your success. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very now, much. Do you have any silly laws for me to uh, oh, scratch my head over today? You 
You want a silly log? Oh, well, yeah. I, I have one up here for you. I, I won't ever forget you about the silly laws. Well, I think we uh, skipped one or two uh, episodes of the uh, silly laws. and I, Oh, I thought, man. Oh, Do I have a good for one for you today? Take a drink of your tea. Ready to go. Ready to go. And I am going to pump one out here. Florida. Florida. Okay. Okay. Now this Already? will this will remind you of Florida, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna have it's a. It turns out to be in order to phrase it to you, I need to give you a fill in the blank question. That was a very smug sounding snicker. Mm-hmm. You just <laughs> already. Florida, the me. state of Florida has a law on the books that stay at home dads are considered blank. They are considered. Oh, boy. There are so many things that a stay-at-home dad could be considered to be. Um, they are considered wards of the court. In other words, they have uh, special special, uh, uh, special powers and responsibilities. <laughs> because you know, their- you're, not, you're not as far off as you, you might be. Uh, let me give you the highlights. That's not exactly. Well, but- none, of, none of my guesses are ever exactly right on. <laughs> Your mind was going down the right path. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Okay. They are considered vagrants. Oh, geez. That's bad. I thought a yeah. stay-at-home father would be considered good. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. So let me give you the, the really the definition of this law and why it's worded the way it's worded. Don't kill the messenger. I'm not a stay-at-home dad. I know a lot of stay-at-home dads. They're great guys. So bottom line is take this for what it's worth coming out okay. of the state of Florida as a All law. Right. Okay. All right. In the town of Lokeland, Florida, men who are able to work but are habitually living on the livings of their wives or minor children are considered vagrants. Okay. Others included in this terminology include people who neglect all lawful businesses are and are habitually spending all their time frequenting brothels, casinos, arcades, and liquor shops. Gee, that makes being a stay-at-home father seem kind of fun. I, you know, I, I didn't think stay-at-home fathers had any time for any of that last group of no. businesses. <laughs> you think they'd be busy supervising the children, but apparently well, they yeah, have absolutely. all kinds of ex, they have all kinds of extracurricular activities they can uh, goof around with. So, so normal. Okay. So in my world, a stay at home dad is, is defined as someone who does stay at home to take care of their family sure. and children because now the family these, needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Now these stay at home dads did sound more like something that should be considered a vagrant. <laughs> when you, when you throw in the ability to work, but your lack of desire to work or your lack of cooperation in getting a job to support the family, that puts a whole different spin on stay at home dad. Oh yes, that's not, sudden, stay at home, that's not a stay-at-home dad, Doug. Not that's a vagrant. Book. That's a vagrant. That, that's a loser. That's what that is. <laughs> that's a bum. Okay. Well, in this in this case, uh, pardon me, State of Florida, for even questioning the uh, intelligence of that particular law, because I think that's right on the money. I, does, I tend to agree with it. It does kind of bring up a, a question that I was mulling over in my head. You know, you and I are parts of the baby boom generation. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. my father was a textbook example of a baby boom parent. He graduated from, or he uh, fought the war. Uh, he yeah. basically had about a year and a half of college when Pearl Harbor happened. He was working for the FBI because his mother needed 
tuition money for his younger brother who was going to the University of Oklahoma. So my father had about a year and a half in. My my uncle had about a year in when Pearl Harbor happened. And so both of them uh, had, uh, my father had to quit his job at the FBI in order to be able to be drafted. And he was drafted into the Oklahoma, uh, you know, uh, the army in Oklahoma. His brother was also, and I don't know where his brother went, but at the end of the war, they both went back and finished college on the GI bill. They both got married right, you know, within a year or so after the end of the war, and they both started popping out kids. Now, my question has to do with the baby boom generation. Is the baby boom generation uh, a bulge in the population? It's a, a huge um, number. It's I describe it as a fat rat passing through a snake. It's a bulge in the population mm-hmm. from one age to another, from people born in 1946 to people born in 1964. But is that because there are more people around, or is it because the families were larger? Because my father had one sibling. My mother was an only child, and together they had five kids. And when I was growing up, I knew Catholic families in town that had like eight, 10, 12 kids. So is was the baby boom generation formed because all these guys came back from the war anxious to get married and start families? Or was it, and they all did it at the same time, or was the baby boom generation formed because everybody, the, the United States was the only major nation untouched by the war all of our manufacturing facilities were intact and we were in a boom time all through the 50s is it possible that the baby boom was formed by the large larger than average families larger than number uh than average number of kids in each family i i like that question i'm not sure i've never thought of it that way but uh i think at least in my world, I have always determined in my mind that it was because all of the service guys were, if they weren't, well, they and they wouldn't have been married during World War II. Uh, I think they got home very anxious to start families, very anxious to, uh, you know, start where they left off with their fiancés and girlfriends and what have you. And that led to uh, a baby boom in the respect that there was a lot of people compressed into a short period that all had the same thing in mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and they couldn't, they were unable to uh, execute those plans during the war because they were overseas right. or, you know, whatever. But uh, my father uh, was a typical college student at the end of high school. He went to the University of Oklahoma, uh, pledged Beta Theta Pi, uh, lived in the fraternity house, uh, you know, was at a year and a half of college. And then uh, when he came back from the war, he did the remaining uh, two and a half years of college in like record time, probably three semesters. And I said, why was that? And he said, because I wanted to get on with life. And he found his future wife on a train uh, going from Norman to Oklahoma City or back. And uh, they uh, got married and had five kids. So the question remains, was it because all these guys decided to get married and start families at the same time? Or was it because the families were larger than they might otherwise have been because America was prosperous and because having a bunch of kids was the thing to do? That's a question maybe for the ages. I'm not sure that you and I have the. the I'm uh, not sure I have the answers to that. Um, yeah. Because in my, in my case, you know, if you look back in my family history, the my family was just my sister and I, uh-huh. you know, and, 
And but you look back to the next generation, you know, they're they're gaining speed pretty rapidly. I mean, my grand my and my father was one of two. There was he and his brother. Uh-huh. But you go back to the generation prior to that, and we're talking six, eight, ten, eleven. <laughs> well, you know, I can't tell you that that was true in my family. I know that my grandmother was one of four. Um, and I just don't, I don't know that there were large families in my history, but I know that my mother had five kids spaced four years apart. And she mentioned that every time a kid went off to kindergarten, she started getting lonely. So it was time to have another one, but yet a lot of friends of mine were in Catholic families and those, they were popping out kids like nobody's business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of different things, but I think, in, at least in my mind, it it might have been driven driven a little bit harder because of the return of all the military sure. guys. Uh, in the uh, retail business, we would call that pent up demand. Pent up demand, yes. And yeah. we don't we don't want to talk about what was pent up. No, but, we don't. <laughs> but <laughs> but we can see the results though, and uh, they're yeah, very apparent. I mean, and we. Back then, you could order a house. Well, you know this. Back then, you could buy a house out of a Sears and Roebuck catalog, and they would right. deliver it for, I don't know, it, it was like, I don't know, 1200 bucks. Oh, yeah. Out here in Arizona, uh, they'd build a big development like, um, uh, you know, one of the uh, famous developers out here, and uh, they would open up the gates on a weekend, and by a Sunday night, all the houses would be sold, even though they hadn't been built yet. Yep. So yeah. yeah, there was a, now that, there was now a, that's, that's faith in your builder. I'm telling you. Well, or it's demand for housing, pent up demand for housing that had to be satisfied because yeah. St. St. Charles, Illinois, the whole West side of town is the same type of our post-war housing. It's all, they're kind of small, two or three bedrooms, one or two bathrooms, one car garage, single car garages. That's how you can tell those, you know, the families all had one car during the war and were barely able to use that because of fuel rationing. And uh, they built houses designed to, you know, protect one car. And now those driveways are full of cars because people own more than one car typically. So the whole West side of St. Charles was basically a post-war building boom that one company did most of. Oh, yeah. Speaking of St. Charles, Doug, uh, you know how things, you know, everybody's life, there's there's just some really coincidental things, you know, that happen. And you go, wow, sure. that's that, that's just weird. So over Thanksgiving, I was talking to uh, my daughter's sister-in-law's parents. Okay, let me have a chart and some crayons and I'll <laughs> figure that one out. So anyway, the daughter's my daughter's sister-in-law's mom. Okay. I was visiting with her and somehow or another, the the topic of St. Charles, Illinois came up. Oh boy. Why would that come up out of the blue for no were reason? You, were your ears burning? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we were talking, actually we were, I was talking cars with her dad. Okay. And so then I, I obviously your name came up because you're a car collector, but I, then I mentioned that a lot of your cars right now are still stored back in St. Charles. Okay, right. so so then my my daughter's sister-in-law's mom's ears popped up. Uh-huh. She goes, St. Charles? And I'm going, yeah. And she goes, my best girlfriend from college was from St. Charles. I, I, don't, I didn't get the name, but I will because I know you guys will know him. Uh, so she, she went to college with this 
girl and uh-huh. it's her it's her best bud out of college don't don't even know what college it was but anyway long story short is i've got a name that i need to get for you and mary and you're going to pop up and say okay i know these folks well that was completely unsatisfying <laughs> I, I wish know. you had gotten the name. <laughs> I, I wish you'd gotten the name already so I could go, oh my God, I know that person. I well, we will save that for a future. Oh my God. I yeah. went I went to a prom with uh, her little sister. Yeah, I was, kicked, the case I, was, I was kicked in the shins by their little <laughs> brother or something. Well, okay, I let's save that. Let's shelve that because I want to uh hear that name. And they'll be interested to know that the house that I just sold was built by Delora Norris. And when the name Delora Norris comes up, D-E-L-L-O-R-A, Norris. She's you mean the one, Delora? No, I mean Delora Norris, who inherited <laughs> something on the order of $60 million back 100 years ago, over 100 oh, years ago. Oh, I wish I knew Delora. Oh, yeah. She uh, <laughs> she was um, not only, she was a, a, an un- happy heiress she didn't want the money she thought it would wreck her life but instead she had a wonderful life and she was a generous benefactor to the town of saint charles gave the town a whole lot of stuff that we wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise so that name should be shared with the uh college friend at some point but absolutely you know, we, we pretty much bring going. up a whole episode here. Just uh, jawjacking. This, this is a, okay. We're gonna we're gonna solve this problem, and we're gonna say you are now into the bonus territory. Oh boy, I'll tell you right now. Okay, the first small item I had here is a client of mine. Is uh, I like this guy very much. He's a uh, he earns a lot of money helping tourists enjoy a particular activity. I mentioned him in a recent um, a recent episode. He wrote me back and said um, he got signed up on his own using our instructions for his drug plan. He went to the uh, um, Medicare or excuse me um, SSA.gov/slash/Medicare site, put in his uh, zip code, and indicated that he wanted to buy a Part D prescription drug plan. He wanted to put his one drug into the the uh, search parameters. He put in a couple of drug stores that he likes to patronize, and it showed him what the cheapest plan in his territory was. And he was so proud of himself, he couldn't wait to write me an email and tell me that he succeeded in doing it. And I say the same thing to all listeners of this podcast. Go pick out your own cheapest drug plan. It's not difficult, and it will be very satisfying. And some of the people with a lot of drugs can experiment because you might have good luck with a drug discount card. So you might want to take a couple of the drugs off of your list. That will change the drug plan that turns out to be the cheapest for you. So anyway, then he said, okay, here's a dumb question for you. Is our Medicare supplement plan similar? Is it necessary to shop for a better rate each year like we do for the drug plans? And my answer to that is no, not if you've purchased a Medicare supplement plan that I recommend. That plan is going to be yours for as long as you're a Medicare participant If you've taken my recommendation, if you've bought the high deductible plan, if you've bought it from one of a couple of companies that keep a lid on the uh, rates and that have a history, a track record 
of rate stability, then you're going to have to pay money every month, but you're not going to have to pay nearly as much money every month as someone who purchased a Plan G because it covers almost everything. It's the most comprehensive protection available. The problem with Plan G is it's going to have bigger rate increases. It's going to have more frequent rate increases. If you buy a high deductible Plan G, it's going to start out to be a lot less expensive and it's going to have fewer rate increases and it's going to have smaller rate increases. Eventually, if you live another good 15 years, you'll probably hit a break-even point at which this premium savings, in other words, if you had bought a Plan G, that would have cost you a certain amount of money. If you had bought a high-deductible Plan G, that would cost you much less money. The premium savings will exceed every year the deductible amount applied to the high-deductible plan. So you can't go wrong. Now, you have to be fairly old or live in a weird insurance climate like New York, Connecticut, some of the New England states, Washington state, uh, this kind of applies for, where the the uh, government has caused insurance rate to be higher than they should be. Uh, you'll reach that break-even point sooner because the Medicare Advantage, or excuse me, Medicare high deductible supplement rates are very, very attractive compared to the Plan G or the old Plan F rates. I suspect that you're going to be um, very pleasantly surprised if you get a guy like me to show you what the cost would be. Okay, I also want to say that long-term care insurance is something that I fondly remember addressing in great detail early in this podcast. It was probably around episode 20 or something like that. Long-term care insurance is an insurance plan that one will buy from an insurance company that stands ready to pay the bills if you need custodial care or if you need nursing home care or any combination of that at some point in your future. So it's a lot like life insurance. It's less expensive to purchase it when you are young because that day that you may need to tap the benefits is far, far into the future. Um, it's also going to be less expensive if you're in good health, and it's going to be unobtainable if you are in poor health or if you're old. It's going to be so expensive that it's going to be really uh, the kind of protection that you know you should have, but it's going to be out of reach because you waited too long to buy it. So my advice is if you want to buy long-term care insurance, the thing to do is to purchase it early and purchase it uh, with options to increase the benefits. Because as we know, there's a certain political party that likes to increase the inflation factor, which makes our money worth less and less as time goes by. Now, often that inflation gets bad enough that then a conservative economist moves into the White House and makes things all better again. We've seen that time and time again. When the Democrats are in charge of things, the uh, economy goes to hell. And then when conservatives come back into the economic, uh, they take over the economic reins, we find that the um, we go through a period of adjustment, and then all of a sudden the economy takes off like a rocket. And that's a beautiful thing about our system. We get to see time and time again the advantages of having conservatives in charge of our economy. So anyway, I want to, again, explain to people what long-term care insurance is. This is uh, this article I'm reading is uh, does a pretty good job of explaining it. It says, if you're wealthy, 
you'll be able to afford help in your home or care in an assisted living facility or a nursing home. If you're poor, you can turn to Medicaid for nursing homes or for aides at home. But if you're middle class, you'll have a thorny decision to make whether to buy long-term care insurance. It's a much more complex decision than for other types of insurance because it's very difficult to accurately predict your finances or your health decades into the future. The private insurance market has proved wildly inadequate. Oh, oh, this is a different story. I'm I'm coming up on that story, but um, let me continue with this article. What's the difference between long-term care and medical insurance? Long-term care insurance is for people who may develop permanent cognitive problems like Alzheimer's disease or who will need help with basic daily tasks like dressing or bathing. Uh, that I think there are six or seven ADLs, activities of daily living, and that's how they measure the need for uh, a long-term care insurance payout. Long-term care insurance can help pay for personal aids, adult daycare, or institutional housing in an assisted living facility or a nursing home. Medicare does not cover such costs for the chronically ill. How does it work? Policies generally pay a set rate per day, per week, or per month. Let's say up to $1,400 a week for home care aids. Before buying a policy, ask which services it covers and how much it pays out for each kind of care, such as a nursing home, an assisted living facility, a home personal care service, or an adult daycare. Some policies will pay family members who are providing the care. Ask who qualifies as a family member and whether the policy pays for their training. You should check to see if beneficiary of benefits increased to take inflation into account and by how much. Ask about the maximum amount the policy will pay out and if the benefits can be shared by a domestic partner or a spouse. How much does it cost? Well, in 2023, a 60-year-old man buying a policy that would pay a total of $165,000, we would typically pay about $2,500 annually for that policy if it was scheduled to grow at 3% a year to take inflation into account. A woman of the same age would pay a lot more for the same policy, $4,400, because women tend to live longer and are more likely to use the benefit. The higher the inflation adjustment, the more the policy will cost. If a company has been paying out more than anticipated, it's likely to raise the rates. Companies need the approval of your state regulators, so you should find out if the insurer is asking the state insurance department to increase the rates for the next few years, and if so, by how much. Since companies cannot raise premiums without permission, you can find contracts for your state's insurance department through the National Association of Insurance Commissioners directory. And then the question is, should I buy it? It's probably not worth the cost if you don't own your home or have a significant amount of money saved, and if you won't have a sizable pension beyond Social Security. If that describes you, you'll probably qualify for Medicaid once you spend what you have. But insurance may be worth it if the value of all your savings and possessions and uh, rebuilding or excluding your primary home is at least 75000 And this is according to a consumer guide. Um, even if you have savings and valuable things you can sell, you should think about whether you can afford the premiums. While insurers cannot cancel a policy once they've sold it to you, they can 
and often do, raise the premium rates each year. If the insurance commissioner's group says that you probably should consider coverage only if it's less than 7% of your current income, and if you can still pay it without pain if the premium was raised by 25%. Many insurers are selling hybrid policies that combine life insurance and long-term care insurance. This turns out to be a pretty good deal by comparison. Those are popular because if you don't use the long-term care benefit, the policy pays out to a beneficiary after you die. But compared with long-term care policies, hybrid policies are even more expensive, and the coverage is not great. I'm not sure that's true. This guy is quoted as he's a government regulations advocacy principal and national care on national council on aging. I'm not sure that that's an accurate depiction of the hybrid policies, life insurance with a long-term care writer. I would talk to your agent about that because I think that solves a lot of problems. And the next question is, when should I buy a policy? If you wait too long, you may have developed a medical condition that makes you too risky for any insurer. Uh, I had a client who um, mentioned that his uh, back hurt him after a weekend of intense gardening one spring. He was applying for coverage, the John Hancock took a hard-line account with this guy and said, um, I, we might be in trouble here because he, uh, if he's complaining about a back problem and he's only 60 years old, uh, we don't think we want that risk. And he and I uh, realized right then that the John Hancock was really looking to avoid buying that uh, that risk rather than taking on new clients. It was disappointing, but not long after that, the Hancock announced that they weren't going to be selling regular long-term care insurance anymore. So I basically saw that coming down the pike with their treatment of my client while he was in underwriting. So anyway, um, it's uh, if you buy long-term care insurance too early, you may be diverting money that would be better invested in your retirement account, your children's tuition, or other financial priorities. The sweet spot, according to the Long-Term Care Insurance, uh, American Association of Long-Term Care Insurance, um, the sweet spot is between age 55 and 65. People younger than that often have other financial priorities that make the premiums more painful. And the last question is, where can I tap the benefits or when? When can I tap the benefits? Make sure you know which circumstances will allow you to draw benefits. That's known as the trigger. Policies often require proof that you need help with at least two of the six activities of daily living. Those are bathing, dressing, eating, being able to get out of bed, and continence, and being able to get to and use the toilet. You can also tap your policy if you have a diagnosis of dementia or some other kind of cognitive impairment. Insurance companies will generally send a representative to do an evaluation or require a doctor's assessment. Many policies won't start paying until after you've paid out of your own pocket for a set period, such as 20 days, which Medicare will pay, or 100 days, which Medicare will pay part of. This is known as the elimination period. So that's the article entitled The Guide to Long-Term Care Insurance. Because of our prior goofing around, Randy and I have run, run right smack into the uh, end of our time slot for today. So I'm going to let Randy um, throw everybody out of here. Yeah, we definitely used up our 75 cents worth. As a matter of fact, we may be running on credit now. I'm not sure. Oh, ooh, I hate to think of that. Interest but rates are so high. They are. I mean, it's really, really bad right now. So anyway, I am going to land the plane, as Doug said, 
But before I do, there's always a few things, uh, you know, tail end things that I always like to take care of before we do land the plane. Number one is Doug can be contacted and he loves to deal with customers day in and day out. He just stands by his computer waiting for the ding. You've got mail. Oh, (laughs) no, that's a whole different deal. Uh, So anyway, yeah, you can reach him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget. Doug is a licensed agent nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find a place to give us a couple reviews on the podcast, on the books, you know, pretty much on anything we produce in terms of content, because it really helps us coming into the end of the year. It's all about the numbers. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a hundred different places doing many different things, and you weren't. You spent a few quality moments with us at Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and we certainly appreciate it. However, I'll bet you weren't watching your watch. I know we weren't, because we have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more living behind Cave Creek up in the high ground in his fortress of solitude. And I think, you know, I'm going to be nice today. I'm going to clock his uh, house in at about, so I don't know, 11,000 feet. Just a little bit of, just a little bit of oxygen, but not enough that, you know. I can live with that. I will be anxiously waiting for the next episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. See you then.